Welcome to Trib Talk. I'm Jennifer Napier Pierce with the Salt Lake Tribune. Utah House Speaker Becky Lockhart wants her colleagues to think big when it comes to education, really big. Last week she unveiled a plan to dramatically expand technology in public schools, giving a digital device to every student in the state. And today on Trib Talk we're moving beyond the concept to talk about the details of Lockhart's proposal, what works and what doesn't when it comes to technology in the classroom. Joining me on the Google Hangout today is House Speaker Becky Lockhart joining us from her office at the, at the Utah Capitol. And uh, Speaker Lockhart, thank you so much for the time. I know you're crunched for time, so I appreciate it. Thanks for the opportunity. Also with us, Tribune education reporter Kristen Moulton joining us from her home office in Box Elder County. And Kristen, welcome. Hello there. And you can join our conversation today as well. How does your child use a laptop or a tablet in class? How do you think uh, teachers out there, how would the one device, one child affect how you do your job? You can send your thoughts to the hashtag TribTalk on Twitter and Google Plus or put them in the comments section of our page at sltrib.com. And Speaker Lockhart, before we get to the specifics, uh, lay it out, the big picture. What, what's the vision? Sure. Um, the vision is really the most important part, I think, and that is um, our children already, technology is, is every, it's, it's a, everything they're about, right? I, I personally believe they come out of the womb knowing how to use um, technolo technological devices. We've all seen a two-year-old or a three-year-old take someone's iPad and uh, reprogram it essentially, right? Change the operating system. They are unafraid and they are ready to go on all of this uh, technology that, that those of us who are older, um, we are uh, learning how to use, right? I learned how to type. I didn't learn how to keyboard, right? And I'm not that old, but um, they know these things almost innately. So what this is about is transitioning and uh, modernizing our education system to uh, recognize that transition, recognize um, the abilities of our children and the coming generations, in, and leveraging technology in a way that allows us to deliver education to them in the ways that they learn, the ways that they are used to, and preparing them for the future in terms of the jobs uh, that are going to be available for them. We really, we, we have to stop being so concerned about what makes the adults in the education system comfortable and be more concerned about what makes our children comfortable and what allows them to learn in the most uh, advantageous ways. Mm. Uh, we really owe it to them. I understand uh, it's a four-step process that you envision. First is to to boost each school's Wi-Fi capability because if you have the device but you don't you can't communicate out in the, on the internet, that's not going to work. Uh, secondly, uh, develop software apps, sort of the digital curriculum that would be used on these devices. Third, train teachers on how to act, how to teach with these devices. And fourth, uh, actually give the devices to the kids. Uh, do I have that right? Yeah, essentially. Um, first, obviously, is the infrastructure um, need that we have to have, and that is the, what you talk about in terms of the Wi-Fi. We have to have the, the pipe, if you will. We, we've been really good about getting uh, the bandwidth to the school door, but what a lot of our schools are missing is from the door to the desk, if you will, or the door to the device. So we'll be working on all of that infrastructure need that absolutely is essential. You can't have a device and, and and not have the bandwidth that you need to, to have it work because then you're just frustrated and you put it down and you never pick it up again. We just can't have that. So the infrastructure is critical. You talked about the software and the apps and those kinds of things. A lot of those things already exist, 
they are uh, products and um, we have companies that do these things um, throughout the country and throughout the world. These, uh, there's not a lot of, if you will, development per se of, of these things as much as there are just becoming aware of what's out there, what is working, and uh, partnering with um, providers in order to get that to happen. The critical, critical part of this and what we don't want to forget and where you see failures happen across the country on a one-to-one -one initiative um, is when they forget this portion which we don't want to and that is the teacher development or the professional development that has to happen. Um, and then finally when all of those things are taken care of then you can finally work on a device if you will for a child. So one of the things that we've got to do with this initiative is, is um, in some ways manage expectations, right? We don't want every parent to think, well, this is wonderful because next fall my child will have a laptop or will have a, a tablet device. That's really um, the last step in this whole process. And in order to do it right, you have to have that be the last step. And what's most important is the infrastructure, the, um, the teacher development portion that has to happen and um, the programs, all those kinds of things, and then you can finally get to the device. Can you talk about your, your priorities? I mean, we've got another at least 10,000 students coming into Utah schools. Um, we have the lowest per pupil spending in the nation. Is why is technology the priority for you? Sure, um, we, we have at least 10,000 children every year, new children every year. That's called growth in public education. We have that happening um, every year. And um, you know, that's a, that's a positive thing, I believe, uh, for the state because it means we have um, workforce, right? You don't wanna, we don't wanna be like Europe where frankly um, their population is decreasing. They're having significant challenges there because of that. We um, have a growing population and that's a positive thing, but it presents us with um, significant challenges, one of which obviously is funding public education um, at the level to which we'd like to. What technology allows us to do is, is to leverage the money, the limited resources that we do have um, in ways that can, we can deliver education um, more effectively and to more children um, in ways that, that is personalized to them and really get, in, in my opinion, more bang for the bucks that we do have. Well, I mean, can you balance all of those things? If Can you infuse a lot of resources into technology and accommodate those extra 10,000 students and uh, sort of boost the, the per pupil spending? Yeah, you know, we're going to have to. We're going to have to do that. We have to fund the growth, we have to fund the new students coming in, and we just, there is no better place um, to spend this money. There's no better place than to find new ways of delivering education, to leverage the technology in order for us to to um, get education, the best education to all of our children. Talking with uh, Utah House Speaker Becky Lockhart about her device for every student idea and also with us is Tribune education reporter Kristen Moulton and we invite you to join us as well. Send your thoughts to the hashtag TribTalk on Twitter or Google Plus or put them in the comments section of our page at sltrib.com. Un under the proposal, I, I know we're a few steps away from this, but I mean what kind of devices are you talking about? Are you talking laptops, iPads, uh, uh, an iPhone? I mean and who decides what to buy? Sure. That's something that the legislature needs to and should stay out of in terms of the particular devices. We don't want to choose winners and losers in this. We've really, in the, in the bill, what we're laying out is a process whereby the State Board of Education really takes, takes the lead on all of this. 
uh, the legislature gives policy direction and gives some very specific um, criteria that needs to be met in rolling out a one-to-one -one initiative, things that we've learned and become aware of through doing a lot of work um, studying other places where it's been successful and frankly other places where it has been a, a massive failure. You can always learn from a failure. So we're looking at all of those and making sure that the structure of this initiative is laid out properly and then allowing the state office and the state board of education to really drive this. Um, what we envision is that there will be multiple um, providers, if you will, that could um, meet the needs of various districts and the districts would be able to choose what is um, what is going to work for them. So it's not, it, we're not going to pick like iPads over tablets. There may be both in the state uh, based on what district you uh, what district you live in and the decisions that they've made in terms of what provider they want to go with. There may be um, a tablet type device in the lower grades and then laptops as you move into the higher grades. This is really something that we want to give local control and local decision making to our uh, school districts um, in order to make those kinds of decisions. But in light of the school lunch fiasco we've seen <laughs> in Salt Lake City school districts, do you really want to hand that kind of power over to the districts or do you want to have some guidelines? I mean what happens if uh, a student uh, do they get to take it home? What if they lose it? Are the parents financially responsible? I mean, are, are those the kinds of uh, rules that you want districts to sort of lay out? Or, absolutely. And, and you guys just keep your hands off? No, absolutely. Those are some of the things that are laid out in the bill in terms of one of the concerns that's been expressed is, oh, what about security? What about security? Well, clearly that's going to be a, a requirement of any provider that might come in and want to provide you know this service or or provide um, devices to our kids is is the level of security that has to be involved and um, and the device really as we've looked at studies across the country some of where it's been implemented surprisingly um, we find that there are really really good results when the kids do take the device home and there is actually less breakage and less um, problems with the devices when they have and an ownership feeling about um, each of their devices. So in fact in one place they found that the teachers actually, the adults if you will, actually had more problems with breaking them, uh, you know, putting them on top of a car and you know, getting in and driving off or you know, those kinds of things that we as adults do usually with Diet Cokes but sometimes with our other, you know, the other things that we find important. So. Um, the kids really develop um, an ownership, if you will, of these devices and they understand how important they are for their um, education and, and how integral it becomes um, to, their, to their experience in school and it's, uh, as I said, but, but those rules in terms of whether or not they take them home or, or, uh, or keep them at the school, all of that will really be decided by the districts um, through the local school boards and, and frankly the parents who are going to be giving their input to the districts as they make the choice of which provider to go with. Mm. Uh, Kristen, I want to bring you into the conversation. Uh, the speaker has alluded to this is not a new concept. It has been tried out before and even in Utah uh, we've seen this uh, one device, one student idea tested. Uh, tell us about Utah's smart school technology project, uh, part of your reporting. Yeah, that was something the legislature approved in the last two legislative sessions for a total of, I think, five and a half million. And the, um, the smart schools are using all iPads, I believe, at all of the schools. And the number escapes me right now. Maybe Becky knows that, but I'm thinking five or six schools are part of it. 
Newman Elementary in the northwest um, part of the city is one of the newer ones to get a grant and they just this month are receiving the iPads. So um, I just it's, thought it's of actually ten that, schools, oh, Kristen, just FYI. Oh, it's ten, okay, good. I, I wrote that story a couple weeks ago and forgot the number. But um, one thing that um, the speaker just mentioned is kind of an interesting thing about kids taking them home. The principal at Newman said he would love for his kids to take these iPads home, but he doesn't dare because he's afraid that bigger kids in the neighborhood will know they're all packing little tablets in their bags and that they'll you know, steal them from the younger kids. So mm. he's worried about his kids' safety if he starts sending them home in the neighborhood where kids largely are not bus, they're walking mm. home. That's pretty interesting. Um, that was just uh, a, a you you profiled a couple of different yeah. schools. I mean, how did the experiment go? Was it was the technology worth the investment? At Kearns High, you know, they had a huge stimulus grant, um, more than a million dollars to buy iPods for all their students. And the principal there, you know, there were some initially some good results in some of their test scores, but it lasted one year. The tech people in the school think overall it was a great experiment. The principal's not so sure, partly because it was really difficult to manage. The teachers, um, even those who bought into it and really used them well in the classroom, still reported how time intensive it was to stay on top of these gadgets and the kids' use of them. Um, but also iPods, I think they found not the best technology. Um, iPads and laptops seem to be much more you know, appropriate. And actually at Kearns, they're using a technology that nobody's talking about and it's just a very extremely sophisticated um, calculator that Texas Instruments puts out. The community council there has spent school trust land money um, first on one classroom. They added two other math classrooms this year and they're like 14,000, 15,000 each to equip a classroom but the kids are able to do amazing things on these calculators that also talk to the teacher's computer, so it's kind of integrated that way. Those stay in the classroom, the kids don't take them home. But mm. so Kearns has had a mixed mixed experience with its. Um, Wayne County is one. I talked to the superintendent down there. I didn't visit, but they're, they're um, putting iPads in every, in every student's hands, and they're having all kinds of interesting experiences. So far, so good, but it's early too early to know the, the real results. And just as the, the speaker just mentioned, they are finding out how incredibly important teacher training is. Um, not just teacher buy-in, but teacher training. Um, because as she said, you want to make schools about the comfort of the kids, what they're comfortable, how they're comfortable learning, not about the adults. But if you don't also get the adults who are teaching these kids comfortable with the technology, you know, they're going to throw up their hands, they're going to sabotage it. Who knows? I don't mean teachers would be saboteurs, but, you know, surely it won't work if they don't buy in. So they need to be made comfortable, too. Speaking well, of In fact, I was going to say this one thing I've noticed in school that I visited. Teachers, often teachers will say, I was the last person who wanted computers in my classroom, but I love them now. You know, they've, a lot of teachers have really bought in when they see what they can do, how well they can help them teach kids. They all say you have to use the gadgets for what they're good at and the teachers for what they're good at. You can't expect these to ever replace a teacher, not that the speaker is suggesting that. But. 
Anyway. We're, we're talking about the one device, one student proposal, and if you want to join us, send your thoughts to the hashtag TribTalk on Twitter and Google+, or put them in the comments section at sltrib.com. We've got a lot of questions. I want to get to some of these. Um, uh, Darren Draper on Twitter, uh, beyond first-year acquisitions, how will Utah's one-to-one -one program be sustained? I mean, it's a huge upfront investment, but as we all know, technology is easily outdated. Obviously, you're going to have to upgrade grade, um, you know, a couple years down the road. How can you sustain a program like this? Speaker Lockhart. Right. So this is the importance of first having one-time money in order to do the infrastructure upgrades, right? That's one time. Uh, we believe that that's going to last probably seven, uh, six to seven years in terms of the, the Wi-Fi broad uh, bandwidth uh, capability. But we do understand that um, not just the device needs to be turned over every three to four years in terms of the new technology, but the teacher training is an ongoing expense. You can't, can, you can't just train teachers once and then you know say good luck with that you know kind of thing. You have that is an ongoing. So this will require what we believe, as we've talked to many experts across the country, um, a three hundred million dollars um, ongoing commitment. So that's revenue that comes every year. Um, that is an ongoing commitment uh, to this initiative um, from now until, I guess, forever. But that's an ongoing appropriation. And so it's not a, just a one-time expenditure. We do understand that to do it properly, this has to be an ongoing investment. You, you keep using this 300 million number, and um, I, I guess the the Governor's Education Excellence Commission says the number is going to be way bigger than that. 750 is their estimate, and I, I just read last week in the um, Los Angeles Times the LA Unified District is trying this iPad per student scenario um, just for the Wi-Fi infrastructure. They have exceeded their uh, estimate by 50%. They're up to $800,000 just to get that one district school, um, half of the district, up to speed. That's like 200 and something schools, 500 schools, still not Wi-Fi ready. I mean, how how uh, so, uh, sturdy uh, is that number, <laughs> that 300 million? Because it seems like it could be slippery. At the risk of uh, sounding critical, uh, let's remember this is California we're talking about um, with the LA Unified, which has their own problems uh, from beginning to end. But one of the problems with the California study also is, or the California experience, is that they were very, very much concerned about the device and they put the devices into the schools right at the very front. And that is one of the things that we're trying to learn is the wrong way to do it. Right? So. Um, LA is a good example for us to use when we talk about things not to do and way, things to learn from is to look at the LA Unified. Um, you wanted to talk about the ongoing and maybe about uh, what the Lieutenant Governor, the previous Lieutenant Governor was looking at over the last year. We believe as we've looked at that, that study there's a lot of duplication and, and uh, the amounts, last I looked at, I looked at, glanced at it um, before the weekend, uh, I believe that there, it wasn't 750 million ongoing. Their their estimate was 751 time, and then 300 million million ongoing. Hmm. So our ongoing um, estimate is about the same. The 750 million uh, one time that uh, the governor's office or the lieutenant governor was tasked with looking at, um, as we're looking at that, and as we're talking with experts about that. Uh, we believe that there's a lot of duplication of um, infrastructure and frankly infrastructure that isn't needed. 
um, in order to do this properly. Let's get to another question. Um, education in Utah, why is technology infrastructure a higher priority than teacher development? Um, this one comes from Dr. Holly Mulberg. Uh, are there any studies indicating that electronic devices for each student improve the child's education? If so, how does that compare with studies showing education improves with decreasing class size? Again, uh, I, these competing priorities, I think it's a question on a lot of people's minds, you know, why the technology fix and not decreasing class sizes or t paying teachers more or I mean all these other ideas to improve public ed. Sure. Um, I'll go to the issue of the, the teacher development if you will. As I've, as I've stated over and over, this initiative is, is very much weighted and um, focused on teacher development, on teacher training, on teaching teachers, enabling teachers to be even better than they are already in leveraging this technology. Uh, I think that um, it was mentioned before, some teachers, those who's, who are the most negative, if you will, about it at the beginning, after a couple of years, were finding through many of this research uh, studies that they love it. They really, really love it because they see how um, technology allows them to be even better than they were uh, before. And so we're actually really, really excited about the teacher development phase of this, uh, which is which is critical, absolutely cannot be looked over, and there's absolutely a significant investment in teacher development. Uh, Kristen, do you have anything to add study-wise? I mean, <laughs> is there any sort of comparison out there that looks directly at the influence of technology on test scores or graduation rates versus uh, a smaller class size or, or, or teacher development programs? I don't think there are any large-scale studies on that. From what I understand, there have been a lot of studies, district by district or school by school, but no, you know, widespread statewide or definitely not a nationwide study that compares various kinds of technology or ways that it's implemented and its long-term success or failure in helping the kids learn better. Um, one of the kind of industry analysts I talked to about it said the problem is schools are not laboratories. You can't very easily have control groups and that sort of thing. And so that's one reason there haven't been longitudinal, you know, longitudinal and also widespread large numbers um, studies on this issue. So, you know, and as the speaker said, there have been great flops and there have been great successes all over the country with that. Oh. Uh, another question. Oh, and comparing it to the other, you know, ways that you can invest your money, that definitely, I don't, I don't think that anybody has done a direct comparison. I don't know how you could. There's so many apples and oranges in those equations. Sure. Um, enjoy the madness, writes at sltrib.com. Will anyone who you are related to or who contributed to your campaign profit from this? Uh, Speaker Lockhart. Um, my guess is I have lots of uh, people who contribute uh, to my campaign, um, and some of which probably are technology companies. I will not be, this legislation will not pick winners or losers. That will be uh, the State Board of Education through, the, through a competitive bid RFP process. The, the legislature, in particular me, and um, no legislator will be um, on any of those uh, decision-making um, committees, if you will, or boards that make those decisions. I guess that, that's pointing to uh, uh, your husband, who is a lobbyist, and he works for a high-tech company. I'm, yeah, I'm assuming that's for, where this uh, question is directed. Yeah, my husband works for I Am Flash Technologies, and because he is involved in a lot of 
um, high-tech industry and business industry um, issues has to by law register as a lobbyist but he uh, works for I am Flash and Micron there in Lehigh and he's also very much involved in the STEM initiative which he does not get paid for and he is not the executive director of the STEM Center but that is something that um, I am Flash Technology um, really cares about and so they allow him to spend time working on that issue. Mm. Uh, this is an experiment of sorts. We've only got a couple minutes left with you, but I mean, how would you know if it works? What are the metrics that you're looking at? Is it uh, an increase in test scores? Is it higher graduation rates? What What are the things that you say you could point to and say, look, technology made a difference? Right. Those things are all enumerated in the bill and, and the very things that you talk about, graduation rates, higher test scores, ACT scores, the measurables, if you will that we're looking for um, after implementing this and and not only do we have those in the bill in terms of the uh, the outcomes that we want to have measured but we're also having the State Board of Education uh, contract with a third-party outside evaluator to do this on an ongoing basis so we'll be getting that data relatively early on and be following that very very closely because we want this to work and uh, if it's not working well then we try something else but if it is working uh, we need to know that as well because I, I believe it will work. I believe it will be a great success. We just need to, to do the investment, the initial investment to get it going. Well, if your colleagues agree, what's the timeline? When would you hope to have these devices in kids' hands? Sure. So remember, we don't want to get too caught up in the device in the kids' hands thing because that's usually where things go awry is that you're too concerned about that before you get to the infrastructure and to the teacher development. So we anticipate it will be, uh, if a district is ready to go and wants to apply for the, to, for the grant and get the money and move forward, anticipate it's probably 12 to 18 months before the devices would actually be um, in the kids' hands just because you've got to have the infrastructure, you've got to take the time that is necessary for the teacher development and that'll take a little while. Speaking of time, though, I mean, wh wh why start on the statewide scale? Why not choose, you know, three districts and really focus on them in something of a pilot project? It would be cheaper, and maybe you could work out the bugs. Sure. So we've had lots of pilot projects using technology that we do on a small scale, and we know there's lots of pilot projects across the country. This is really about understanding what does work, knowing what does work, and 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 being fair to all the kids in Utah and getting this done for all of our children, not picking the winners and losers, not um, allowing all children to have this opportunity. Some districts will be ready to go very quickly and they, those kids will get their devices sooner, if you will, than others. But we don't want to limit it to just those who are um, really excited about it tomorrow, right? We want every child in Utah to have this opportunity. And so that's why we're looking at a statewide uh, modernization and a statewide transition into this new way of providing education for our kids. It's pretty bold. Are you gathering steam among your colleagues? You, you can't do this alone. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Representative Francis Gibson is the sponsor of the legislation. He's a very good friend and colleague from Springville and Mapleton there in Utah County. He's the chair of our Education Standing Committee, which deals with all of the policy issues coming um, in the education arena. He's a great sponsor. He's a great advocate. We've been talking to the Republican caucus quite a bit about it in the House. They seem very, um, very much supportive of it. We're working with the Senate. I've had uh, a couple of discussions already with the governor in terms of where we're headed with this. So as with all legislation and all uh, big initiatives, you've got to create 
uh, a lot of synergy and a lot of buy-in and we're busy doing that and things have been moving along very positively. Hmm. Along with that ambitious proposal, uh, is this the start of another campaign? Are you running for governor? No. Oh, I hate this question. Um, I am trying to be the Speaker of the House uh, to the best of my ability and my uh, absolutely my, my first responsibility right now is to be the best representative I can be for my constituents in District 64. So if I can get that done and be um, a successful speaker and move some things forward that I believe in that I think are good for the state of Utah, it will have been a successful session for me. Whether or not I'm looking at doing something else in the future, that that's, that's a decision for another day. I will be leaving the legislature after this year, and so this is my last year in the House of Representatives, but those are decisions that I'm, I'm going to be making uh, in the future, not right now. It sounds like a maybe. Um, there are a lot of other questions from our readers and viewers. I'm sorry I didn't get to them, but I know your time is short. Um, we need to let you go. Perhaps we can have you on another time to sort of flesh this out even more. That'd be great. Okay, Speaker Lockhart, Kristen Moulton, thank you both very much for the time today. You're welcome. Thank you. And you can follow our full legislative coverage, of course, online at sltrib.com. I'm Jennifer Napier, Pierce with the Salt Lake Tribune. Thanks for tuning in to Trib Talk. We'll see you next time.